The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. When I was uh, when I was 12 years old, 1987, to give you an idea of how old I am, but um, when I was 12 years old, for Christmas that year, uh, my mom got me the Nintendo Entertainment System. Anybody remember the Nintendo? Some of you guys probably have an old retro one or you have a new one or whatever, but um, I remember getting that for Christmas and I was elated. And of course, back in that day, my favorite game was Super Mario Brothers, right? You know, dun 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 now, my son today tries to get me to play uh, some of the games that are out now, and I just grab that remote control, and some of you guys are going to make fun of me for this, but there's like 77 buttons on it, and I, I'm the guy, like if it's like, like a Call of Duty or something, I'm like the guy running in circles, shooting at the sky, like I have no idea what's going on, but go th- throw back to Super Mario Brothers, and I'm good to go. Now, If you've played Super Mario Brothers, you're probably well aware that the goal is to advance from the first level to the next, and it goes, you know, World 1-1, and that's the beginning, and most of us have played World 1-1, and it's pretty simple, and you get to the end, and you, you know, jump up to the flagpole, and da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, you move on, level one, verse, or one, two, and then, or World 1-2, World 1-3, World 1-4. World 2-1, World 2, and it keeps going all the way to the end of the game. And of course, we all know that there's spots where you can warp, and so you can go from you know, one world to many worlds ahead. But in general, the idea is always to advance to the next level and then end up conquering the game. Now, in Super Mario Brothers, the, the conquering of the game is to save the princess that back in the old grainy days of video games, that princess looked kind of gnarly. But anyway, um, so you save the princess, okay? Now, here's the thing I know. The goal of Super Mario Brothers is not to play level 1-1 over and over and over and over again, and we all get that. And I think the same is true in life, that for you and I, the goal isn't to stay right where we are or to you know, hear about who Jesus is and to surrender ourselves to faith in Jesus and then continue to be who we've always been. No, 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 there's something different. Just like in a game like Super Mario Brothers, you and I in life are called to level up. And, and while that may seem you know, pretty simple, too many Christ followers, I really believe this, too many Christ followers end up remaining at level one. And what level one looks like when I think about it is this, we settle in to the same worries and anxieties as the world. That our, our behavior is, is just the same as, you know, the crowd. We look like the crowd. We act like the crowd. Basically, we operate just like the crowd operates. And yet, here's the tension. Over and over and over, if you and I take reading scripture seriously, there's a reminder all over the place that there's a different way to live. There's a calling and through the work of the Holy Spirit inside of me and inside of you, as scripture says, he lives inside of us through the work of the Holy Spirit. There's this pull in us to navigate towards that leveling up, towards that different way to live because there's something more going on that requires, and here's the key to this series, there's something more going on that requires trust and requires faith so that we can live differently. And that's what the writer of Hebrews, as you look at chapter 11, is saying. Starting at verse one. Now faith is the confidence 
in what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. And I'm gonna look at verse two and then verse six, okay? It says this, this is what the ancients were commended for. And then verse six, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's pray. Lord, today, I pray for just a, a great understanding. Help me to convey this well for all of us to navigate through the tension that we would feel, that we do feel, of what it means to level up, what it means to consider differently than the way we've always been. And I know a message like this isn't in, in anybody in this room and anybody watching online right now, oh, we've arrived, we've got this nailed, this doesn't really apply to us. While in certain moments, it seems like we're doing better than others. There's no doubt in my mind there are certain things that come our way that, man, we need to be challenged in how we respond. We need to be challenged in our faith. Help us continue to walk out that faith, to walk out that trust in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. But, but I want to bring in something that, that is worth mentioning. Another translation says this, now faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The problem on one hand is this, this sounds poetic and flowery and nice, and you can crochet it on a pillow and put it in your living room. You can put it on your, your wall as a, you know, a sticker or a, put it on a frame, and you can probably find it at Hobby Lobby. I'm, I'm pretty sure of it, okay? But... It's not meant to just be poetic. It's meant to be a challenge to your faith and to my faith because we're talking about that very subject. According to the writer, it's actually saying this. Listen, when faith is activated, there's something different about how we do life. Let me say that again. When our faith is activated, there's something different about how we do life. There's evidence. What evidence? Well, it's living by something we don't necessarily see. It's trusting in something that isn't necessarily tangible. But as we live out our faith, that's the evidence there's something different going on. I will not let what I don't understand overshadow what I believe about God. I will not let what I don't understand overshadow what I believe about God. Many of us are familiar with some verses that say his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I don't always understand the sovereignty of God. And in fact, sometimes the greatest tension in my life is that here's what I think, here's what I want, here's what I've been praying for, and then here's what happened. And those two don't seem to go together very well. And so it's in those moments that, that are we willing then to activate our faith and go, God, I'm going to trust you even though here's how I've been praying and here's what happened. And those aren't the same thing. Because the writer is reminding us there's an evidence of what we hope for. It means it isn't necessarily happening the way that I think or want or, or believe that it should. However, I'm going to trust that God's got a sovereign plan that's bigger than what I think that goes beyond how I process, that his ways are higher than my ways. So let, let me just bring this up. How do I know when faith is, is, is working? 
And I'm just going to give you a couple of simple ones, but let me start with this one. When was the last time that you navigated a certain trial, a certain test of your faith, and somebody around you said something like this, wow, how do you have such peace when this is happening in your life? When was the last time somebody outside of you know, your, your immediate family, or maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's, when was the last time somebody said in the midst of the trial you face, wow, how are you handling that with such confidence? How are you going through this and yet there's still peace? When was the last time somebody said that to you when you faced a trial? Here's another one. When you heard something that sent you sideways internally, you got news of something, you were surprised by something, you got a phone call, you sat down with a doctor, you, whatever it might be, and they gave you news, how did you respond? And there's many examples of this, but let's just keep it in, in general. When you heard something that sent you sideways internally, did you, okay, did you freak out? Did you vent? Did you cuss? Did you binge desserts? Did you turn to a bottle of wine or a beer or liquor to numb the, the, the freaking out? Did you mistreat somebody or did you kick a puppy? Okay, that's just a little freebie there. Don't, please don't, don't do that. All right. Another one. How quick are you to pray, to quote scripture that you might know, to turn to the Bible when something happened that made you freak out inside? How quick were you to turn to those things? When a crime is committed and there's no clear picture of what went down, what do the police do? Okay, anybody watch Dateline? Okay, I know all in on murder, now it's only murder, so everybody gets murdered all the time. Anyway, um, but when, when there's a crime that happens and there's no clear picture of what went down, they bring in a detective. And what is a detective supposed to do? We know this. A detective is going to look at the whole picture and, and do their best to gather evidence even down to the minutia of the scene. They're, they're going to comb through, depending on how big the scene is, they literally put strings in grids and they, they label the grids A1, A2, A3, B1, B, to, to make sure everything's been combed through appropriately. They're going to take reports in detail of all that went down to do their best to get a picture with all of the evidence of what actually maybe really happened. Okay, we all know this. You're like, where are you going with this? If the writer of Hebrews says, now faith is the evidence of things hoped for, let me ask you this. If you were followed around for the next 30 days by a detective writing down everything about how you live, how much would it show where your faith is? What would be written down about you that the detective would bring in a report and go, here, here's the 30 days, here's all that's gone on. What would it show about your faith? What would it show about how you live your life? You could say, oh, there's a smattering of, of scripture reading here and there. They showed up on a Sunday to you know, a church gathering. You know, they listened to a lot of ACDC, but recently it's been Michael Buble Christmas because apparently it's that season already. You know, what, what would they write down? What, what, if they, I literally had a report, 30 days worth, of your life, what would be written down? Lots of time scrolling through social media. 
neglecting the kids kind of randomly or regularly. Football's always on at their house. I'm not looking at anybody in particular on that one. Plenty of drinking of beverages to calm down. And some of you hear me say that and you go, it wouldn't take a month. It'd be like a day's worth, like, oh boy. It's a simple question that goes like this. What does your daily evidence say about your life and your faith? If a detective were to follow you around, what would the evidence say about your daily life and faith? Now, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the certainty of things that we don't see. This is what the ancients were commended for. The writer is reminding those that understand the Old Testament that when you go back to the stories of Abraham and the stories of David and the stories of Moses and Enoch and, and, and all the, Rahab, all these individuals, throughout the chapter, Hebrews 11, what you have is a sentence or two or even just a phrase about some of these individuals that when you go back to the Old Testament, some of them it's chapter after chapter after chapter of detail. But in Hebrews 11 too, it says, this is what the ancients were commended for. What? They were commended for living by faith. And so throughout this series, we're gonna take a look at, at some of these ancients in the Old Testament and how they took steps trusting God, even though at times things were not very clear to them. So it says, this is what the ancients were commended for. And then it goes on to say in verse six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he's gonna talk about why, which we'll get to. But think about that for a moment. When you and I don't walk by faith, when you and I aren't gonna challenge ourselves to level up and lean into that trust, to that faith, that then the writer is saying we're missing out on our ability to please God because leaning in by faith, it says, pleases God. And it says, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Now, to be clear here, it's not just, well, I believe that. What he's saying is anyone who comes to him must believe not only that he exists, but that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Our faith equals pleasing God. When my actions are different because of my faith, then I'm pleasing God. That's the best place to be. Some of us are aware, if you've read scripture for any length of time, that there's this picture, this idea of when you and I face the end of our lives, you know, as, as saints that believe in Jesus and, and, and cross the veil, there's this phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. If there's anything I want to be said about me in the moment I cross that veil into eternity, whether it's this picture of Peter at the pearly gates and he's somehow the guard that lets me in or not, I don't know. What I know is whatever's gonna be said in that moment, my hope is the one sentence I get to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. That's what the ancients were commended for, you and I living by faith, pleasing God. Anyone who comes to him must believe not only that he exists, but he's the rewarder. Now, let me take a second and mention something that, that can easily get set aside because it's been misunderstood for so long or manipulated for so long. 
I realize that when we talk about, hey, I please God, and, and somehow God rewards me, that's awesome, and it's true. But what often happens is that idea right there gets hijacked by this picture that, that ends up on, on televisions and, and you know, internet or whatever that, hey, you know you believe God by faith and you write this check and you believe God and you take this step and God's gonna do this and all of a sudden it becomes a transaction between you and God and that's not okay. It becomes a thing where, hey, if you do these things, then God will do this and that's really awesome because then you can be rich. Then you can be prosperous and then our motive all of a sudden for taking a step of faith isn't so much taking a step of faith to please God, but it's taking a step to please God so that I can receive something in return. And we've got to be careful about that. And we'll get to why at the very end of this verse in just a second. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists, not only he exists, and he's the rewarder. Obviously, the best place for you and I to be is taking steps of faith that God rewards. But here's the catch. We have to be careful that we're not obeying God for the rewards. There's a need for you and I to walk humbly with the joy of, I wanna please God because I enjoy that relationship. Because I appreciate that connection. And, and, and by the way, when I'm taking steps of faith, what happens is my faith is growing. We'll take some time in this series to talk about when Jesus says a few different times, oh, you of little faith. And, and, the, and the tension created in the hearts of people hearing it, it wasn't the challenge of, of condemning them. It was the challenge of rise up to trusting me in a greater way. At the very end of the verse, it says he rewards. And I love that. And I trust that however I live by faith, that God will take care of rewarding me however he wants. But the best reward, and as I get to eternity, hey man, I, I'm a child of God. I've surrendered to Jesus. I've believed in the message of the cross that over and over is the key to the whole thing. That if you haven't given your life to faith in Christ and you're sitting here and I know we're all distance and, and stuff like that, but you're sitting here, maybe you haven't surrendered your life to Christ. Or maybe you're watching online right now and you're in that place where, hey, you're listening, it's a good message, it feels great, but you haven't maybe surrendered. And maybe today's your day to go, you know what, I need to surrender my life to faith in Christ, that he died for you because of God's love for you. That scripture teaches us that sin separates us from a holy God. But the sacrifice made on the cross by Jesus, his death and burial and resurrection is what provides us life that we get that fresh start, that we get that new beginning. And I'm just gonna take a moment right now, and if you wanna invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I just want you to bow your head right now. And like I said, maybe you're watching online, I just want you to bow your head right now, right where you're at, and just repeat after me, just say, Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my sin, for all the things I've done wrong. Come into my life, forgive me of all of it. Be my savior. I'm glad you love me enough to give me a fresh start. I begin anew in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Now again, some people in here are like, I've prayed that prayer before, maybe you haven't. Maybe you walked in today or maybe you tuned in online and you're not sure where you're at in that conversation. If you prayed that simple prayer, while it's overly simple, at the same time, it does mean something took place that changes the trajectory of your life when you put Jesus on the throne of your heart. And by the way, if you did that and you came in today, I encourage you to put it on the card. Let us know. We want to follow up and help you take a couple steps. Or like I've said, as you guys are waiting here patiently, you tuned in online. 
And maybe you prayed that prayer right in your living room today. I encourage you to just click on that link down below, the connect card online, and let us know you took that step because we have some things for you intentionally to help you continue on that journey. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Another word there is earnestly seek him. And I I bring that up because you can't just say, well, seek him. There's something about that word diligent that should mean something in us, something about that earnestness that should mean something. There's many of us in here that if you've been in faith for any length of time, you've maybe even memorized Jeremiah 29, 11. Anybody just recognize that verse, the address, not the word, just the verse? Jeremiah 29, 11, a bunch of us. If I quote it, more, than, more people go, oh yeah, for I know the plans. Now you're like, oh, that one. Oh yeah, that's, that's crocheted on the pillow you were talking about. Oh, that's on the wall. I got a hobby law, you know, whatever. You got, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to plans to give you hope in the future. Great, love that verse, but you cannot forget. Two verses later, there's something very important to remember that goes right along with Hebrews 11, verse 6. At the very end, the writer of Hebrews says, seek him earnestly. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with Prepositional phrase, I think. All of your heart. Is that? No, it's not. I should have took in English a little more. Anyway, so working on things. But, but there's a catch there that may, that's important we understand. I know the plans I have for you. Awesome. Prospering not to harm you. Great. But don't forget verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you do it with all of your heart. That sense of earnestness and humility and diligence. God, how are you directing my life? God, what does it mean for me to live in surrender to you? Lord, how do I walk out this faith as a daily exercise being challenged in how I live? See, I've mentioned before, I love going back to Stephen Curtis Chapman's song, This is the Great Adventure, that I believe one of the greatest enemies of your faith and my faith is comfort. That we get comfortable in how we live and, and we're insulated by different, you know, the nest egg of income we're making or, or the, the lifestyle that we have or the people that are in the things I'm going through and what I do as a rhythm. And rhythms are fine. We need those in our lives. But the greatest enemy of our faith sometimes is comfort. I'm thinking of like, look, I'll be honest with you. As a pastor, as soon as we got to March and, and, and all of a sudden they're saying, hey, everything needs to close down and churches can't meet. We're like, what in the world? You know, what do we do? And I know there's different churches that have fought it in different ways. And we said, you know what? We want to keep people safe. We want to do our best to respect the fact that if you get this stuff, we don't know what's going to happen and that's not okay. So let's be careful. So we had to shut everything down. We're in a meeting in March, very beginning. And we're going, what are we going to do, you guys? Any any thoughts? And John Rich, in one of our meetings as a team, says this. What if we did like drive-in church? And everyone laughs. (laughs) That would be hilarious. Wait a minute. What if we did? And I'm not kidding you. That week, we're like, let's figure it out. So we went outside and looked at the parking lot. And went, well, we could set up a stage. Well, what about this roof? Okay, cool. We literally, that, that week, had a stage built on the roof, had to get a hold of the city to get permission to go up on the roof and be safe. We had to have a tree company come in and cut down a tree for us because there was a giant tree there that blocked the view. And, and we put a video on uh, from the roof that, that we just put out viral. Hey, check it out. Here's what we're going to do. We're still going to meet on the roof. Drive in. And it was insane to see, like, the video goes viral. We had churches from all over the nation, and I'm not kidding you, all over the world contact us and go, what, how are you doing this? 
And you know where it came from? Hey, what if we did driving? Oh <laughs> wait. And we literally, it was, as we began to brainstorm it, we started going, well, wait a minute. When you go to those Christmas houses, you have to turn into a radio station. What if we did that? And so we sent out on Facebook, hey, anybody know of those transceivers or whatever they're called, receivers, whatever? And, and literally in minutes, somebody goes, I have one. I used to do that in my house. It's too much work. I don't even use it anymore. You guys can have it. Within a half an hour of that, that message going out, somebody brought us a receiver. We figured out how to tune it and you know, get it all right and do it up on there. And it hasn't always been smooth. What if? One of the filters for that, by the way, and it's a great thing for your life as well as mine, when it looks like we're losing, how can we win? That's a question we constantly ask as a church. It is. We knew families were struggling as we got to April and May and, and groceries were an issue. And so as we're brainstorming again, team sessions, what do we do, guys? How do we help our community? Somebody literally, what if we did a telethon? <laughs> okay, that's weird. Let's talk about it. And so if you saw it back in, I think it was May, April or May, we put together a telethon right out here on the lawn. Our goal, let's raise, let's, let's raise $10,000 and give it all to the Marysville Food Bank. And as we started off, we had Brock Heward and, and, and Emily Hutchinson and Allie Bradley at Q13 and be a part of the interview and all this stuff. And it went so well that we're like, guys, we just blew past $10,000 and we still got like a couple hours to go. We blew past 15,000, blew past 20,000. We got to $25,000 by the end of it. And in partnership with what we were able to do for Mother's Day, we ended up giving the food bank $30,000. Go, get groceries all you want. But it came, it, came out of a, it came out of a look. It looks like we're losing. How do we win? It looks like a terrible thing. How do we make something good out of this? Let's do a telethon. And we all agreed, even as we were starting it, this thing could fall so flat, it'd be embarrassing. And we're like, who cares? We did have people, by the way, that when they saw the rooftop idea, they were like, what is this, like the 1950s? Who cares? We took some steps of faith throughout the summer. We called Convoy of Hope. We partner with them. We love Convoy of Hope. We have a partnership, but we literally were like, let's just call them and see if they deliver a semi-truck of food. And they did. Like, I don't know, let's, so let's do grocery. We had 28 pallets of food in here, which, by the way, they also gave us a pallet of soup spoons we have 50,000 plastic soup spoons. If you need any, let us know. Yeah, if you're having a big like chili cook-off or something, you need spoons, please get a hold of us. We would be happy to get rid of them. But they, they delivered 28 pallets of food. So two different times in, in, gosh, August and September, I think, we just said drive up and we'll give you groceries, bags of food. If you just here, have them. And people lined up and we were able to do that. Still today, and, and, and the sad news about this one is it breaks my heart. A couple of weeks ago, we had to have a meeting and talk about that we had to close our Snohomish campus. I hate that part because we took a step of faith. And, man, we're going to do something and all that. It's, it's a bummer. But you know what else we're talking about this week? All of the inventory of stuff that we have for that campus, one of the things we have is a truck and trailer. And we literally said this week, hey, we know that families are still hurting, and we know that we can help. What if we sell the truck and trailer and give it all to, to, to help families with groceries right now? I don't know when we'll have a campus again. I'd love to see it sooner than later because we want to continue to plant churches all over. That's what we want to do. But in the meantime, we're not going to hold on to stuff and just wait. Let's sell it, give away some groceries, and then we'll buy a truck later because families are hurting right now. So literally, that's what's going to happen. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to sell it off, take all the money, and just help families. Why? Because we know there's a need, and in a world that looks like we can't win, how do we win? You know how we win? Walking out our faith every day. Faith is a verb. Yes. By the way, that's the anchor to this message. <laughs> Finally got to it. <laughs> Faith is a verb. 
showing up to church isn't faith. It's, it's this relationship every day that we gather like this to be built up, that we can go out and be a light, to shine hope, to say, look, in the world, it looks like everything could be losing. We're going to win. <laughs> How? Loving people, loving well, investing in those that are struggling. That's how we're going to do it, by faith. I need to wrap it up, <laughs> of course. Long-winded guy up there. The message version of these verses, I'm just going to read verse 6. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Stepping out in faith is fun. But you know what? It's also nuts. I know they're simple examples, but to say we're going to do a rooftop thing and not even know if it's going to work, well, see what happens. If I got to yell from up there, I'll just yell a lot. <laughs> if we can't get some radio thing to work, I'll just yell loud. You know, I don't know. The telethon thing, we literally had no idea if that was actually going to work. Let's try it. And it worked beyond what we even thought because we took a step. We called Convoy of Hope, not expecting we'd get a semi to show up. Let's just try. And they showed up. <laughs> I want to encourage you to consider what kind of steps of faith are you taking? Let me go back to what I mentioned and I'll just pray. But it's that question. If there were a detective following you around, what kind of evidence would they find that you're taking steps of faith in your life? And we're going to talk throughout this series in more detail about this topic as we look to level up. Jesus, today, I pray, God, whether we're here in a room or watching online, that your Holy Spirit would continue to challenge us, that we haven't arrived, that just like on Mario, we don't play level 1-1 over and over and over. We're, we're meant to go to the next level. And the truth is, in our faith, we're meant to move on from how we live in this world that when the light comes on and when we pray that prayer, when we surrender to Jesus, there's a different way of living that means trust, that means faith. And I pray throughout this series that you would uncover those things in our hearts that, that where we're letting the fear reign, where we're letting the patterns of behavior that look just like this world reign, where we're settling for level one when you're saying, hey, there's more, there's something else. And it's a fun adventure but it also means getting out of our comfort zone. It also means taking steps that maybe we wouldn't normally take, but because your spirit challenges us, we would continue to see our faith grow. We would continue to level up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.